Welcome to another episode of Voices of Church Past. I am your host, Rob Barthonson. Today we'll be reading one of Luther's sermons, given on the third Sunday after Epiphany. We'll be remarking on the text of Matthew 8, verses 1 through 13. Lord, I am not worthy. Quote from Scripture. Herein is the great faith of this heathen, and he knows salvation does not depend on the bodily presence of Christ, for this does not avail, but upon the word and faith. But the apostles did not yet know this, neither perhaps did his mother, but they clung to his bodily presence and were not willing to let it go. They did not cling to his word alone. But this heathen is so fully satisfied with his word, he does not even desire his presence, nor does he deem himself worthy of it. Moreover, he proves his strong faith by a comparison and says, I am a man and can do what I wish with my own by a word. Could not you be able to do what you wish by a word? Because I am sure, and you also prove, that health and sickness, death and life are subject to you. My servants are to me. Therefore also his servant was healed in that hour by the power of the faith. Now since the occasion is offered and this gospel requires it, we must say little, a little about Herodian's faith and its power. For many are interested in this subject, especially on the account of little children who are baptized and, and are saved, not by their own, but by the faith of others. Just as this servant was healed not by his own faith, but by the faith of his master. We have never yet treated on this matter. Therefore, we must treat it now in order to anticipate, as much as in us lies, future danger and error. First, we must let the foundation stand firm and sure that nobody will be saved by the faith or righteousness of another, but only by his own. On the other hand, nobody will be condemned for the unbelief of sins for another, but for his own unbelief. The gospel says clearly and distinctly in Mark 16:60, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that disbelieveth shall be condemned. In Romans 1:17, the righteous shall live by faith. In John 3, 16, 18, whoever believeth on him should not perish and have eternal life. He that believeth on him is not judged. He that believeth not hath been judged already. These are clear public words that everyone must believe for himself. Nobody can help himself by the faith of others without his own faith. From these passages we dare not depart, and we must not deny this. Let them strike where they may, and we ought rather to let the world perish than change this divine truth. Any plausible argument is made against it that you are not able to refute, you must confess that you do not understand the matter committed to God rather than admit anything contrary to his clear statement. Whatever may become of the heathen, Jews, Turks, little children, and everything that exists, these words must be right and true. Now the question is, what becomes of the young children, seeing that they have not yet reasoned, are not able to believe for themselves, because it is written in Romans 10:17, believe comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Little children can neither hear nor understand the word of God, and therefore they can have no faith in their own. To 
sophists in the universities and such for the Pope have invented the following answer to the question. Little children are baptized without their own faith and on the faith of the church, which the sponsors confess at the baptism. Thereupon the infant receives in baptism the forgiveness of sins by the power and virtue of baptism, and faith of its own is infused with grace, so that it becomes a newborn child through water and the Holy Spirit. But he asked them for proof of this answer. Where this is found in scriptures, it's found up in the dark chimneys, where they will point to their doctor's hat and say, "You, we are the highly learned doctors, so we say so. Therefore it is true, you must not inquire any further. For almost all their doctrine has no foundation, other than their own dreams and imagination. And when they prepare themselves more care, more carefully, they drag in some question from St. Augustine or another Holy Father. But this is not enough in their faith to concern the salvation of souls, for they themselves are you know, all the Holy Fathers were men, who will be surely and guarantee that they speak truth. Who will rely upon it and die by it? For they say so without scripture and the word of God. Saint Caesar and Saint there, if my soul is at stake, either to be lost or to be saved eternally, I cannot depend upon all the angels and saints put together, much less upon one or two saints, for they show us the word of God. From this falsehood they have gone farther, and have even come to the point where they have taught and still teach that the sacraments have such power that even if you have no faith to receive the sacraments, provided you have no intention to sin, you shall receive the grace and the forgiveness of sins without faith. This they have inferred from the former opinion that little children receive grace in this way without faith, solely by the virtue and power of the sacrament as they dream. Therefore they also ascribe the same thing to adults and all men and other such things from their own mind, and thereby they have in a masterly way eradicated, made void, and unnecessary the Christian faith, and have set up human works alone by the virtue of the sacrament. On this subject, I have said enough of what I wrote concerning the articles of the Bull of Leo. The holy ancient fathers have spoken somewhat better, although not clearly enough, to say nothing about this imaginary power of the sacraments, but they teach that little children are baptized in the faith of the Christian church. Since they do not explain thoroughly how this Christian faith benefits the children, whether they thereby receive a faith of their own, or are baptized upon the holy Christian faith without faith in their own, the sophists rush in and interpret the language of the Holy Fathers to that effect. The children are baptized without faith in their own and receive grace solely by reason of the faith of the church. They are enemies of faith. If only they can exalt works, faith must allow them to do so. They do not think for a moment whether the Holy Fathers erred or they themselves understood the Fathers are right. Beware of this poison in error, even if it were the expressed opinion of all the Fathers and Councils. For it will not stand, and has no scripture for its foundation, but only the imaginations and dreams of men. Moreover, it is directly manifest opposed to the chief text already mentioned, where Christ says, He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. Conclusion from this is, in short, baptism avails for nobody. It is to be administered to nobody unless he believes for himself, and without faith nobody is to be baptized.
as St. Augustine himself said, non sacramentum justificat sed fides sacramenti. Not the sacrament justifies, but the faith of the sacrament. Besides these, there are others, like the brethren called the Waldesians. They teach that everyone must believe for himself, receive baptism, or the Lord's Supper with his own faith. Otherwise, neither baptism nor the Lord's Supper has any benefit to them. So far they speak and teach correctly, but it is a mockery of holy baptism when they go on and baptize little children as though they teach that they have no faith of their own. They thus sin against the second commandment, what they consciously and deliberately take the name of uh, the word of God in vain. Nor does the excuse help them which they plead that children are baptized upon their future faith when they come to the age of reason. For the faith must be present before, or at least in the baptism, otherwise the child will not be delivered from the devil and the sins. Therefore, if their opinion were correct, all that is done with the child in baptism is necessarily falsehood and mockery. If the baptizer asks whether the child believes, and the answer for the child is yes. He asks whether it desires to be baptized, and the answer for the child is again yes. Now nobody is baptized for the child, but is baptized itself. Therefore it must also believe itself. For the sponsors must speak a falsehood when it, for when it, they say, I believe. Furthermore, the baptizer declares that it is born anew, has forgiveness of sins, is freed from the devil, and has a sign of this. He puts on a white garment and deals with it in every way as a new, holy child of God, all of which would be necessarily untrue if the child had not its own faith. Indeed, it would be better never to be baptized than to trifle and juggle with God's word and sacrament as if he were an idol or a fool. Or it is of any use they make a threefold distinction in the kingdom of God. First, it is the Christian church. Secondly, eternal life. Thirdly, the gospel. And then they say children are baptized for the kingdom of heaven in the third and first sense. That is, they are baptized not to be saved and to receive forgiveness of sins, but they are received into the church and brought to the gospel. All this amounts to nothing and only an invention of their imagination. For it is not entering the kingdom of heaven by get among Christians and hear the gospel? The heathen can do also do that without baptism. This is not entering the kingdom of heaven. However, you may talk of the first, second, and third sense of the kingdom of heaven. Being in the kingdom of heaven means to be a living member of the church, and not only to hear, but also to believe the gospel. Otherwise, a man would be in the kingdom of heaven just as if I threw a stick or a stone among Christians, and as the devil is among them. All this is worth nothing. It also follows that the Christian church has two kinds of baptism. That children have not the same baptism as adults. Nevertheless, St. Paul says there is only one baptism, one Lord, and one faith. Ephesians 4, 5. For if the baptism of children does not affect and bestow what the baptism of adults affects and bestows, it is not the same baptism. It is indeed no baptism at all but a sport, the mockery of baptism, so much as there is no baptism but that which saves. If no one knows or believes that it does not save, he ought not administer it. But if it is administered, it is not Christian baptism. For one does not believe that it affects what baptism is to affect. Therefore, it is another form of baptism. For this reason, it was almost necessary that the Waldesians' brethren should have themselves baptized again, as they baptize our people again. 
does they not only receive baptism without faith, but even contrary to faith, and in mockery and dishonor of God and minister in another form of Christian baptism? If now we cannot give a better answer to this question and prove that little children themselves believe and have their own faith, my sincere counsel and judgment is that we abstain altogether, and the sooner the better, and never baptize a child so that we may not mock and blaspheme the adorable majesty of God by such a trifling and juggling with nothing in it. Therefore we here conclude and declare that in baptism the children themselves believe and have their own faith, which God effects in them through the sponsors, when in faith of the Christian church they intercede for them and bring them to baptism. And this is what we call the power of alien faith. Not that anybody can be saved by it, but that through it, as an intercession and aid, he can obtain from God himself his own faith, by which he is saved. It may be compared to my natural life and death. If I am to live, I must be born. Nobody can be born for me to enable me to live. But mother and midwife can by their life aid me in birth and enable me to live. In the same way I myself must suffer death, I am to die, but one can help me bring about my death. If he frightens me or falls upon me or chokes, crushes or suffocates me. In like manner, nobody can go to hell for me, but he could seduce me by false doctrine and life, so that I could go there by my own error, into which his error has led me. So nobody can go to heaven for me, but he can assist me, preach, teach, govern, pray, and obtain faith from God, through which I can go to heaven. The centurion was not healed of the palsy of the servant, but yet he brought it about that his servant was restored to health. So here we also say that children are not baptized in the faith of the sponsors or of the church, but the faith of the sponsors in the church prays and gains faith for them, in which they are baptized and believe for themselves. For this we have strong and firm scripture proof. Matthew 19, 13-15, Mark 10, 13-16, Luke 18, 15-16. And when some brought little children to the Lord Jesus, that he should touch them, and the disciples forbade them, he rebuked the disciples and embraced the children, and laid his hands upon them and blessed them and said, To such belongeth the kingdom of God, etc. These passages nobody will take from us, nor refute with good proof. For here it is written, Christ will permit no one to forbid that little children should be brought to him. Nay, he bides them to be brought to him, and blesses them, and gives to them the kingdom of heaven. Let us give due heed to the scripture. This is undoubtedly written of natural children. The interpretation of Christ's words as if he had meant only spiritual children who are small in humility will not stand, for they were small children as to their bodies, which Luke calls infants. His blessing is placed upon the youth, and of these he says that the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Will we say that they were without faith of their own? Then the passages quoted above are untrue. He that disbelieveth shall be condemned. Then Christ also speaks falsely or feigns. He says the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And is not really speaking of the true kingdom of heaven. Interpret these words of Christ as you please. We have it that children are to be brought to Christ, cannot be forbidden to be brought. And when they are brought to Christ, he here compels us to believe that he blesses them. 
and gives them the kingdom of heaven, as he does with these children. It is in no way proper for us to act and believe otherwise, as long as the words stand. Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, unless it is proper for us to believe. And when they were brought to him, he embraces them, blesses them, bestows upon them heaven, as long as the text stands, that he blessed the children which were brought to him, and gave heaven to them. Who can ignore this text? Who will be so bold as to not suffer little children to come to baptism, or not to believe that Christ blesses them when they come? He is just as present in baptism now as he was then. This we Christians know for certain, therefore we dare not forbid baptism to little children, nor dare we doubt that he blesses all who come there, as he did those children. So then there is nothing left here but piety and the faith of those who brought the little children to him. By bringing them, they effect an aid that the little children are blessed and obtain the kingdom of heaven, which cannot be the case unless they themselves have their own faith, as has been said. So we say here that children are brought to baptism by the faith and work of others. But when they get there, and the pastor or baptizer deals with them in Christ's stead, he blesses them and grants to them the faith in the kingdom of heaven. For the word and deed of the pastor are the word and work of Christ himself. With this agrees also what St. John says in his first epistle in 2.13, I write unto you fathers, I write unto you young men, I have written unto you little children. He is not satisfied to write to the young men, he also writes to the children, and writes that they may know the Father. From this it follows that the apostles baptized children also, and held that they believe and know the Father, just as if they attained to reason and could read. Although somebody might hear interpret the word children as adults, as Christ designates his disciples sometimes, yet it is certain that, that here they are men who are younger than the young men. So that it is evident he is speaking of young people who are under 15 or 18 years of age and excludes nobody down to the first year. For these are all called children. But let us examine their reason why they do not think children believe. They say because they have not attained to reason they cannot hear the word of God. But where God's word is not heard there can be no faith. Belief cometh by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Tell me, is this Christian to judge of God's works by our thinking, and say children have not attained to reason, therefore they cannot believe? How if through this very reason you have already departed from faith, and the children come to faith through their own reason? Dear friend, what good does reason do for faith and the word of God? Is it not reason which resists in the highest degree faith in the word of God, so that nobody can come to faith by means of reason? Reason will not endure God's word, unless it's first blinded and disgraced. Man must first die to reason and become as if it were a fool, even as unreasonable and unintelligent as a little child if he is to become a believer and receive the grace of God. For Christ says in Matthew 18.3, Except ye turn and become as little children, ye shall no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. How often does Christ hold us before that we must become children and fools to condemn reason? Tell me also, what kind of reason had the little children whom Christ embraced and blessed, upon whom he bestowed the kingdom of heaven? Were they not still without reason? Why does he command to bring them to him and bless them? Where did they get the faith which makes them children of the kingdom of heaven? Nay, 
Just because they are without reason and foolish, they are better prepared to believe than adults and, and those possessed of reason. His reason is always in the way, and with his large head is not willing to push through the narrow door. One must not look upon reason for its works when faith and God's work are under consideration. Here God alone works, and reason is dead, blind, compared to this work, an unreasonable block. Nor that the scripture may stand, which says, God is wonderful in the saints, that the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. Isaiah 55, 9. But since they stick so fast in reason, we must assail them with their own wisdom. Tell me why do you baptize a man when he has come to the age of reason? Your answer, he hears God's word and believes. I ask, how do you know that? You answer, he professes it with his mouth. What shall I say? How if he lies and deceives? You cannot see his heart. Very well, then you baptize for no other reason than for what the man shows himself to be externally. And you are uncertain of his faith. And you must believe that if he has not more within his heart than you perceive without, neither his hearing nor his profession nor his faith will help him. For it may all be a delusion and no true faith. Who then are you that you say external hearing and profession are necessary to baptism? Where there are wanting one must not baptize. You yourself must confess that such hearing and profession are uncertain and not enough for one to receive baptism. Now upon what do you baptize? How will you justify your actions when you thus bungle baptism and break it into doubt? Is it not the fact that you must come and say that it is not becoming for you to know or do more than that he whom you are to baptize? Be brought to you and ask baptism from you, and you must believe and commit the matter to God, whether he inwardly truly believes or not. This way you are excused and baptize aright. Why then will you not do the same for children, whom Christ commands to be brought to him and promises to bless? But you wish first to have the outward hearing and profession which you yourself acknowledge is uncertain and not sufficient for baptism on the part of one to be baptized. And you let go the short word of Christ in which he bids the little children to be brought unto him on the account of your uncertain external hearing. Moreover, tell me, where is the reason of a Christian while he is asleep? Does the faith in the grace of God never leave him? If faith can thus continue without the aid of reason, so that the latter is not conscious of it, why should it also, not also begin in children, for the reason knows anything about it? In the same way, I would like to say that out of every hour in which a Christian lives, is busy, occupied, that he is not con uh, conscious of his faith and reason, yet his faith does not on that account cease. God's works are mysterious and wonderful where and when he wills, and again manifest enough when and where he wills. Judgment upon them is too high and too deep for us, since it is commanded here not to forbid little children to come unto him in order to receive his blessing. And it is not demanded for us to know the exact state of faith wherein an external hearing profession are not sufficient for one to be baptized. We are to be content that it is enough for us, to, the baptizers, to hear the profession of the one to be baptized who comes to us of himself. And this is for the reason that we may not administer the sacrament against our conscience, as giving to those whom in no fruit is to be hoped for.
but if they sure are conscious of their desire for perfection, so that we can administer it as a sacrament that imparts grace, we are excused. If his faith is not true, let that rest with God. We have not given the sacrament as a useless thing, but with the consciousness that it is beneficial. All this I say in order that one may not baptize recklessly, as they do who even administer with the deliberate knowledge there will be no effect or benefit to the person receiving it. For therein the baptizers sin, because they knowingly use God's sacrament word in vain, or at least have the consciousness that it is neither intended nor able to effect anything, which is altogether unworthy use of the sacrament, the temptation and blasphemy of God. For that is not administering the sacrament, but making a mockery of it. If the person baptized, baptized denies and does not believe, you have done right anyway. And have administered the true sacrament with a good consciousness that it ought to be beneficial. However, those who do not come of themselves, but are brought, as Christ bides us to bring little children, the faith that these commit to him who bids them to be brought, and baptize them by his command, saying, Lord, thou dost bring them and command, them, command to baptize them. Thou wilt answer for them. On this I rely. I dare not drive them away, nor forbid them. They have not heard the word by which faith comes, as adults hear it. They nevertheless hear it like little children. Adults take it up with their ears and reason, often without faith. But they hear it with their ears, without reason, with faith. Faith is nearer in proportion as reason is less. And he is stronger who brings them than the will of adults who come of themselves. These inventive spirits stumble mostly because in adults there is reason, which acts as if it believes the word it hears. This then they call faith. Again, they see that in children there is yet no reason, for they act as if they did not believe. But they do not observe that faith in God's word is quite a different, deeper thing than what reason does with the word of God. For it is the work of God alone above all reason to which the child is just as near as an adult. Yes, much nearer. And from which the adult is just as far as the child. Yea, much farther. But this that is contrived by reason is a human work. I think of any baptism is certain. The baptism of children is most certain because of the word of Christ where it commands to bring them, whereas adults come of themselves. In adults, there may be deception because of the reason that is manifest. But in children, there can be no deception because of their hidden reason. In whom Christ works his blessing, even as he is biding them to be brought to himself. It is a glorious word, and not to be treated lightly, that he commands us to bring the children to him and rebukes those who forbid it. Hereby we do not mean to weaken nor destroy the office of preaching. For God indeed does not cause his word to be preached for the sake of the rational hearing, since no fruit results from that, but for the sake of the spiritual hearing. Which, as I have said, children also have as well, even better than adults, though they also hear the word. For what else is, the, is baptism but the gospel to which they are brought? However, they hear it only once. They hear it more effectively because Christ, who have commanded them, commanded to bring them, receives them. For adults have the advantage that they frequently hear, can think of it again. Yet even in this case of adults, 
is a fact that the spiritual hearing is not affected by many sermons. But it may occur once during one sermon. Then he has enough forever. What he hears afterwards, he hears either to improve the first hearing or destroy it again. In short, <coughs> baptism and the consolation of ch children lie in the word. He suffered the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Such belongeth the kingdom of God. He has spoken this and does not lie. Therefore, it must be right for Christian to bring little children to him. This can only be done in baptism. So also it must be certain that he blesses them and bestows the kingdom of heaven upon all who come to him. According to the words, to such belongeth the kingdom of God. Let this be enough for this time. Finally, it would be in order here to treat the spiritual meaning of leprosy and palsy. But of leprosy, much has been said in the postal of the ten lepers. Therefore, it need not be treated at length here. And that, my friends, was Luther's sermon on the third Sunday in Epiphany. That's where it concludes. Which I find odd. It must have uh, maybe had like a longer ending at one point. Where he goes on to explain um, palsy, but it's not contained in his sermon. It might even probably carry over to the next uh, sermon. But that's where it ends. I hope you enjoyed today's reading. Um, <clears throat> some controversial thoughts of Luther today. For those outside who don't believe that baptism saves. On one hand, he condemns the Roman Catholic baptism. On the other hand, he condemns the Anabaptists who say children are not to be baptized. Strong words to consider from Martin Luther. Till we meet again. May God bless you and keep you and steadfast in the one true faith given to the saints. May God persevere you so that I may see you in the presence of Christ that we may share in eternal life. God bless.